Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 334 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am Jason Evans. I am here on this fine Friday morning to talk about Coach K talking to me and other members of the media. He talked to a whole bunch of us. Uh, There was a press conference earlier this week that I happened to get a chance to sit in on. Uh, We're going to be bringing you sound from Coach K, from Wendell Moore, from Emil Jefferson, from Joey Baker. You're going to hear from a bunch of different guys on the team as we all got to chat a little bit about what people have been up to this summer, what's going on in practices and and all that kind of stuff. It's the first opportunity we've had to talk to Kay in in a little while. Very excited to bring that to you. But before I do, I have to welcome in my partners in crime, Donald Wine and Sam Klein. Sam, how are you doing today? I am doing all right. It's Friday, so I'm happy about that. There is a heat wave going on. I am not happy about that. But uh, we have we have Coach K stuff to talk about, which is a lot of fun. We got we got a lot of of good nuggets here this week. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a challenging edit of the podcast. We're going to be bouncing between <laughs> us talking and uh, and sound from the press conference a lot. And Donald Wine's going to be doing the edit today. Donald, are you looking forward to spending a lot of time in front of your computer, making us all sound good? Well, I was already going to spend a lot of time in front of my computer, but now I can do it, making us sound good. So that's cool. I will say on a on a nice note outside of the world of basketball i was able to go up to baltimore a couple of times to watch the my tigers play detroit tigers and i was in the building when miguel cabrera hit his 499th home run which also happened to be his 2950th hit Uh, so he's 50 away from 3000 one away from the magic mark of 500 uh one of my favorite players of all time so i just want to note that because that was a really fun personal uh thing i got to do this week that is very cool. Uh, baseball, a fun sport to count. <laughs> I was I, I was there when when Miguel Cabrera was on the 2003 Marlins team that won the World Series. So that's it's been a while. He's he's linked. He's been around for a minute. Yeah, that, hey, you have to be around for a long time to get to 3000 hits and 500 home runs. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, gentlemen, speaking of being around for a while, Coach K been around the Duke program for quite, quite some time. Just and- a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah, it's been more than more than a few years, I think. Um, And and of course, we're coming up on his last year. Uh, And and you would think that would mean that this year is the last K Academy. For those who are not familiar with it, where have you been? They do this uh, almost every year. The K Academy is like a fantasy camp. Um, If you uh, you know, if you got some money, you need you need a serious chunk of change. But if you got some money, you can go um, spend a week being like coached by Coach K and by other former players, by current coaches. Uh, that a lot of the current and former players show up to be a part of all of this. Uh, it's a really cool, fun experience. I know some guys who've done it in the past. I think we've done a podcast where we've spoken to someone who's who who's talked about it in the past. Jason, it's funny you mentioned the K Academy. There's one nugget that I don't think we have audio about, but I did want to mention that it sounds like he's going to be continuing to do the K Academy going forward. So I'm really happy about that because I feel like one day I will make enough money to be able to participate in the K Academy and it will still be the K Academy. So uh, for those of you out there who think this is the last year that you could do it, fear not. Coach K is going to be around. He said he's going to continue doing it. And, and it seems like it's something that brings him a lot of joy. So I'm glad he's going to be able to continue that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I was saying, um, when they have the K Academy, the Duke media department makes Coach K available to the media. It's part of promoting the K Academy, but it's also just a good chance over the summer for those of us who follow the Duke program to get to hear from Coach K. And they also allowed us to hear from uh, several players on the team and the newest member of the coaching staff, 
technically not a coach, director of player development, Emil Jefferson, um, who is uh, back on campus working with the program again. So I want to dive right into it, gentlemen. Uh, a whole There's a ton of stuff we have to talk about from this because Coach K was unusually candid, I thought, um, and quite revealing at, at times, uh, both about himself and his personal life and about the, the Duke basketball team. Uh, I, I want to start with a couple questions that, that relate to what Coach K has been doing this summer, how this summer is different, because, of course, he has announced this is his last year and he's really letting John Shire take the reins uh, of the recruiting. And, and recruiting happens a lot in the summer. And so we're going to hear first from Brendan Marks and then from Aaron Beard. Those are two of the reporters who who follow the follow the team religiously. And uh, here are their uh, questions and Coach K's answers about how the summer so far has been different for him from what it's been in the past. Hey coach, thanks for taking the time to do this. Hope it's been a good summer for you. Um, just, just curious, how, how did you spend the summer not being on the road, recruiting, going to all the events? What was that like for you and, and how did you otherwise spend your time? I've just been reading articles from the athletic and grading them the whole, the whole time. And I, do you want to know what place I put you in? Or? Hopefully, hopefully a generous one. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait till the end of the till the end of the summer to put my final grades in. That's fair. <laughs> no, uh, real busy. Uh, actually, just came back from Napa. Uh, I host uh, the Jimmy V Wine Celebration there. It's twenty first year. I've hosted it for fourteen years, and uh, it was really successful. We we brought in two new recruits, Jay Billis and Sage Steele, to help us and uh, raised almost $13 million. And uh, uh, it's one of those, the, the great events. Um, uh, I've been not been on the road recruiting. That was one of the reasons we did it this way. Uh, John and the staff have done an amazing job with that. And also just moving forward where people, you know, the, uh, the recruits recognize that he's the head coach for them. And uh, I think that's worked out real well. And for me to spend time every day with my guys, uh, we brought the freshmen in early in June. Uh, they completed like a three-week course and had uh, to give presentations, writing papers and that. And But they formed the bond. And then the rest of the guys came in uh, around the 1st of July. And uh, I feel like I know my guys really well. They know each other. And uh, the one thing I was disappointed with last year was not being able to develop the level of relationships you need uh, to really do well. And uh, that's no one's fault. It's just happened, but it's not happening this year. So I feel good. And uh, uh, I, I like my guys and uh, I like the fact that we're off to a really good start in recruiting also. Hey, Mike, I wanted to ask sort of to follow up on that, you know, with you not doing recruiting and these things you normally would be doing, I guess, how different does it feel, though, for you right now in terms of you've got your guys now, but this is the last run with the, with this group? How do you how do you sort of balance that change? No, good. You know, that's you know, I'm, I was ready not to be on the road. You know, that's one of the reasons not to continue is uh, that's not it's not like I hated recruiting. It's just time you know like the amount of time that you have to spend and commit to be really good every year uh you know i'm i'm not 
I knew I wasn't going to do that anymore. But as far as time preparation for the team, I'm, um, I've been watching tape, to be quite frank with you. I've watched a lot of tape, uh, watched a lot of the uh, international play, not just the U.S., but, and congratulations to them. They, uh, their defense really won the day for them, and, and that guy, Kevin Durant, was not bad. And uh, I've been corresponding with Pop, and he did a great, great job. So uh, it, it's been good. I, uh, and I... I, I'm not, I wasn't looking forward to be on the road. And, and really if I was on the road, it'd be as an imposter because I'm not going to be back next year. So um, all good. Uh, all really good. So guys, some fascinating stuff in there. First of all, coach K paying attention to the Olympic team, uh, talking with pops about how things are going and, and obviously very proud of those guys that they, that they won uh, the gold medal. Uh, Donald, I'll come to you first. What, what's your takeaway? What did you hear from here that you thought was really interesting from Coach K? It's very interesting to me that, you know, when you're a coach, you have to do a lot of things. You have to be, you have to excel, not just at X's and O's and recruiting and stuff like that. You have to excel in a lot of areas that round out the team. And one of those things requires, you know, a lot of travel, which is to go and scout players and recruit players and just, you know, be around the game. You have to travel a lot. And we've seen that from, the coaching staff this summer, but one person we haven't seen it from is coach K and it seems like coach K is very ready to give that part of this rigorous job up, uh, you know, in a sense, and, and it's not to say that he's given up on the season. This we're scouting for and recruiting for future, you know, seasons of which he will not be the head coach. So I think it's great that he has said, John, this is your show now on this, at least for the recruiting, go out there and let recruits know, that you're the boss and you're in charge. And I think that's a nice transition uh, for him to get that started early. But really for me, you could tell that he's ready to ride off into the sunset, whether it be as a six-time champion or just as, you know, what he already is, the greatest coach that ever lived. He's ready to, you know, get into the next phase of life. And, and that part was really telling to me. I, I, I obviously was not on the press conference. You were. But listening through the audio, that was palpable throughout the entirety of his words that there's a lot of things that he is still itching to get into and that he's excited about. But there's a lot of things now that he's like, hey, I'm ready to spend more time with my family or, you know, spend more time, you know, at home, whatever that is. And it seems like he's been able to really get to know this group of guys, his last group of guys, which I think is going to be very, very important this year. I think he recognizes that this year is the only chance he's going to get to do it this way, which is not having to spend time on the recruiting trail, especially the last 10, 12 years recruiting for Duke has become a much more challenging uh, endeavor. I think for coach K because of the increased roster, the increased roster turnover and having guys leave after, after every season, you know, it's one thing to be bringing in these great classes every year and to say, wow, Duke's got all these great players, but it means that, that Coach K has to spend that much more time and energy finding all of those guys because, because there's more turnover. And, and nowadays, for a lot of these players, Coach K spends more time recruiting them than they spend on campus because, because the careers in college are so short. So he recognizes that he only gets one year to really focus on this year's team over the summer, and he's getting a chance to do that. So they basically have like a, a double staff 
uh, situation going on at Duke. And, and so that is, that's really exciting for coach K. Hopefully it's really exciting for the players because it means that they get to spend more time with him. I think we hear a lot about how being a college basketball coach, the, the coaching part of that job is only like a small, it's only like 10 or 15% of the overall job. And right now coach K doesn't have a lot of those other distractions to take away from him getting to coach and know the team. I'll tell you, gentlemen, to, you guys hit on many of the things I thought were interesting in those answers, but to me, something that jumped out and it comes up again and again during, you know, coach K's portion of this news conference, he talked about my guys. He talked about spending time with the team more time than he did last year, developing better relationships than he had last year. This is not to throw last year's team under the bus. Look, everyone knows why last year's team was not able to gel in the same way a regular Duke team would. Uh, COVID is bad <laughs> and it's disrupted all of our lives and, and it disrupts our lives in ways that we you know, cannot predict and cannot necessarily know about. Uh, and, and I just think it was fascinating to hear Coach K again and again throughout this news conference. Folks, even if you don't hear it repeatedly in the sound that we play, again and again, he talked about spending more time with this year's team and he kept on calling them my guys he clearly feels very very connected to what is going to be his final team yeah and honestly that's great he's taking advantage of that right like in the sense that last year we didn't get guys before well it was a july 11th they didn't actually get to be you know participate in workouts as a team until late september early october when the season practices finally started so they didn't get that time so you know the freshmen were there on campus early they were able to do summer classes they were able to do a lot of these workouts that they normally do where he was able to just work with them individually and collectively and get to know them as a team so that when these practices open in the fall for for real he's ready to go and this team is ready to go and I think that's good the one thing he also was able to do with this week with the K Academy he was able to schedule some time for these players to get away and see their see their families. And, you know, Paulo Bencare has been participating in the pro-am circuit uh, of, of basketball games. So, you know, those sort of things are really important and things that we were robbed of last year as a team because COVID denied them that possibility. So I think it's interesting that they're able to get involved with that. And I like that he's honing in on that, especially looking at tape about the team because he wants to make sure that this team is really great and he has all the resources available around him that he can concentrate on just that. So, so I want to keep on this same theme and we're going to play our next piece of, of coach case sound. Uh, it's a question from Luke DeCock of the Raleigh news and observer, a guy who's covered the Duke basketball team extensively over the years. And I, you're, you're going to love this answer folks. Um, Luke asked coach K about how his life has changed. Um, and, and coach K's answer starts on basketball but then it gets into something unusually personal for Coach K. And, and so have a listen. Uh, you're going to enjoy this. Uh, Mike, in the, the months since you announced your decision, made your decision and announced it, in, in what ways kind of other than recruiting has your life changed? I mean, have there been tangible changes in the way people talk to you or the way you plan your days or, or, or has, has that not started yet? Uh, you know, the fact of not, you know, I, I, not thinking about recruiting all the time, which you do if you're in it, that's, that's been good because it gives me time to concentrate on this team. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, I, 
I like it a lot, you know, and, uh, uh, and, and I'm excited about, I'm really excited about this year. So, um, now it's been, it's been good. I'm, uh, people like at the gala in, in Napa. And when I have been out, uh, very, a lot of people just congratulations. Uh, you know, thank you for, you know, representing college basketball the way you have, whether some of them have said, you know, I haven't cheered for you, but I've respected you and, uh, uh, and what you, you know, what you and your program have done. So all good, you know, no one's been calling me dirty names yet and, uh, or even queen names. And, uh, uh, and I, I've, you know, I'm fresh. Uh, I'm, I'm in really good health. Um, you know, the only bad thing that's happened to me this summer is my, 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 my dog died. And, uh, that was, that's a bummer. So blue passed away and, uh, he was my buddy. And, uh, for any of you who have pets, you know, how, how that is. And, uh, so we haven't recruited anyone to replace him yet. So, sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. How, how old was blue? He is 12 and a half. And, uh, we had just returned from, we get together as a family. We went to Lake Aston and rented this huge home and had a great family vacation. And when we got back, he had, uh, he was not doing well and took him to a vet and lung cancer. And a week later, he died in my arms at my house and sad. Just, uh, he's a good guy. Really a good guy. Guys, uh, his dog died. I mean, like, it's like something out of a, a, a book or a, a story. It's so sad. He died in his arms. That's it. it, it, it like I said, it's, it's surprising to hear Coach K. Look, he didn't get super emotional. He didn't like choke up, but you could you could sense there's emotion there. I I have a dog. I love my dog. It will be a very sad day, and I know the day will happen sometime. My my dog Cameron is ten. You know, the day's coming at some point, and and uh, ugh, I I feel for Coach K because those 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 moments of loss are never easy. Jason, I'll I'll one up you on this. Uh, our dog is called Blue. So him telling that story was was uh, particularly moving for me because I was listening to it and looking at Blue uh, sitting sitting here in, in my home office while he was telling that story. So um, uh, we're our our strongest condolences out to to the whole Shashevsky family on the loss of their very good friend. Yeah, for me it was uh, it was personal in the sense that you know my best friends we went to Duke together. Uh, they just lost their dog, so it was for me it was kind of personal because. That was my man's Dempsey was my man's rest in peace, Dempsey. But when it, we don't, you're right, Jason, we don't get to hear that from coach K a lot, the personal side of things. He, he talks about his family and he talks about what they do and what they mean to him, but he doesn't like, we heard it through the press conference when he announced his retirement and we heard it today, more personal stories about what it is that, you know, family means to him and what, you know, what they actually mean to him and really describing it in person. So that sort of thing, if we're going to get more of that from Coach K this year, I think that also kind of opens him up to a lot of people who probably think that there's this shell around Schwartz Butters building in the sixth floor. But for him, it's, it's signifying once again that, hey, he is way more relaxed 
about this, right? He doesn't have to worry about the rigors of anything. He just has to focus on this team and everything else. He seems so calm and relaxed when he tells it. And, and again, I wasn't on this conference, but you could tell, even though there was, it was a sad moment for him, he was relaxed in being able to tell it. And I think that's going to make for an even better Coach K than we've seen over the last 42 years. All right, so moving on at the Coach K News Conference, uh, like I mentioned, I was there and uh, I got to ask the man a question. Uh, and anyone who's been listening to our podcast over the past several months know one of the things I've been obsessed with is name, image, and likeness and how it is changing the college game. So I was the first person to ask Coach K uh, what he thinks about what has changed with NIL. Have a listen. Coach, this summer, you know, in addition to you stepping down, there's been a pretty huge change in the college basketball landscape with name, image, and likeness. Can you tell us at all what, you know, what you're hearing from various players about the opportunities they're getting and, you know, just, just how is Duke handling the new landscape where players can make money? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think we, everyone expected it to be like crazy. I don't think it's crazy. I think each program, each school has handled it in their own way to make sure that they're, uh, they're not only looking out for the players, but they're looking out for the institution and uh, its standards. Uh, we've been very open with our players and have told them to do it in a patient manner, you know, to see, look at the landscape and uh, take advantage of certain things. That everything that they do has to then be reported through our compliance. And I think our guys are doing a good job with it. I can't tell you you know, what they're making or what they're doing. Like, you know, like that's actually, that's their business. And uh, overall, I think it's been for us, it's been very good. You know, I've been an advocate for it. I'm, you know, I'm really pleased with what's happening right now with college sports, the NCAA. And, you know, it's, this is an important year ahead. And uh, how we set the stage, the structure for the future of college bas—not just college basketball, for college sports. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, one thing, because I'm, yeah, you, know, you know, when I look back, I think almost three decades ago, we missed out on an amazing opportunity to really move forward with things like name, image, and likeness. You know, in the early '90s, you know, our players could go out in the summer and speak at camps, you know, they would say, speak at four camps in, in North Carolina in a two day period and make 300 bucks a camp, 400 or whatever. And they would not only learn about speaking, they would learn about being an entrepreneur and they were like missionaries for the game. And that was done by everybody. And it, it, so, uh, I think something happened during that time where some kids did think some things for autographs and all of a sudden it was, we could never do that again. It was a huge, just think this is in the early nineties, 28, 29 years ago. If we would have started on that trend of seeing where that would be, we, we probably never would have been in this spot. It would have been a slow adaptable change to the way it should be right now. And the way, I mean, you know, big business is constantly changing. 
you know, college sports is big business. It never wanted a change. And now, boom, you get this bombshell. But uh, that was a big mistake. And at the same time, the uh, access rules were put in place. It was almost like we were punishing the coaches. Okay, you shouldn't let your guys do that. Now you can only work with them X number of hours a week. You can only do this. You can only do that. And it was really a critical juncture in the history of, uh, of our game of, of college basketball, where it could have been an, a, a wide opening to advance in so many ways. And instead they shut the door on it. And uh, uh, my feeling is we're paying the price for it and we're going to pay the price for it at some time. You know, the Piper has, you have to pay the Piper and uh, uh, not only knocking at the door, it's knocked down the door. You know, what I had mentioned, uh, Luke, I don't know if I mentioned it, addressed it as well, but basically uh, before they get here, it has been, they could be somewhat entrepreneurial, but just up to a, a certain point. Then they get into our a bureaucratic system where they can't be. And then they go into a huge entrepreneurial thing. And that's that was really a disservice to the kids playing any sport and their, their families in any sport, it should be a smooth transition from the time they, they start playing until the time they end, end up playing. And uh, we need to now set a new, uh, a, a, a new base, a new way of doing it so that this can seamlessly go, go through it. You know, I've recommended to all my players it, you know, you should be, you should get counsel, you know, you, it, you know, like you should have somebody representing you during your time in college. And that doesn't mean you commit to them for the future where you have a third party because we're not allowed. It's probably good. We're not involved, but you know, it's like you, you're a little bit antsy about it because you want to give them help, but probably good. And so, uh, in other words, we can't make a deal for them, but somebody who knows how to make deals or making sure that they're, they need to be protected along the way. And so we're trying to do that, but I, I, I recommend that they all get counsel. I think that's to be professional right away. So I think it's really interesting. I mean, you know, we talked at the top of this podcast, coach K has been around for quite a while. <laughs> And he really brought a long time uh, view of NIL. You know, he talked about, you know, we had opportunities uh, decades ago when, when we could have begun to take baby steps at this. And instead, <laughs> here we are taking gigantic steps. And, you know, maybe we were a little bit blindfolded and don't know where those steps are leading us. Uh, but, but, you know, his perspective on this is obviously one that is formed over a long period of time. And he's actually... Uh, very been very clear that he is happy that this is finally here. He it sounds like he just wishes it had come along a long, long time ago. So I want to go back to when he announced his retirement. I think you guys saw this, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners did as well. A lot of pundits and college basketball analysts were pontificating about the fact that they thought that Coach K was retiring. There was a rumor that kind of got spread about how. NIL was one of the main reasons that he decided to retire and that he didn't want to be a part of it. And I think he read those because it, when you ask that question, 
you could you could hear him just kind of say, oh, I have a lot to say about this to make sure it was very clear that NIL and just the changing of the era of college basketball with regards to college athletes being paid was not the reason for his departure. And the fact that he's talking about how kids used to be able to speak at camps and get paid and, and they all of a sudden took that away and he's been working on this and that he's really happy is here. It was very interesting, a great question by you and also a great answer by Coach K where he got to basically lay out, hey guys, I've been dealing with NIL since before some of you in this room were born. And so don't question you know, me walking away and saying that I don't want this to happen because I've been wanting it to happen for a very long time. I thought that was a very interesting answer by him. And the fact that he he was so supportive of it, I thought was was really cool because the we, one of the you know potential knock on effects of of instituting this kind of policy is that the leaders of the of the athletics programs may suffer personally and financially because a lot of the money that is being funneled to them currently through through corporate sponsorships and tickets and all that kind of thing can now go directly to the players as opposed to paying coaches salaries and coach K recognizes that look this is now it, it perhaps it's a little disingenuous because he's at the end of his career and he's he's sort of made all the money already and 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 maybe if you ask John Shire very honestly this this has some effect on his on his potential earnings but i think that, that they all recognize that it's a good thing and that so far the the early returns we've got from from a month and a half of of NIL endorsement deals is not that you know we're not hearing about about student athletes like skipping summer workouts or skipping summer school or, or or bailing on team meetings because they have to go do their their Bojangles chicken sandwich shoot uh, that it, it, it's all just sort of being wrapped up into it. I'm very curious what it'll look like during the season when there are more demands for everybody's time and, and class is really in session and, and the games are really happening. Uh, what what tensions kind of flare up? But as of now, everybody seems to be to be on board with it. And so it it was cool to hear coach K's perspective on that. Well, and I think one of the things that we've noticed is that there haven't been a lot of Duke guys who have announced NIL deals, you know, we Wendell Moore and, and the thing with Bojangles is really the only major one we've heard about other than guys showing up on cameo and, and coach K kind of made it clear when he said, look, we're, we're telling our guys, we're advising them to be patient. Um, I think, Sam, your point is correct that these guys recognize that, that their maximum value, the time that they you know, are in the public eye is during the basketball season. And, uh, and, and we will probably start to see and hear a lot more about them at that point. I mean, look, Paolo Banquero is going to be a national name, a nationally known college basketball player. He isn't yet because he hasn't played any games yet. And we, you know, we haven't even really seen lots of college basketball previews Duke fans know him if you are someone who's super passionate about recruiting you know him but for the vast majority of the country they don't know him yet they will at some point and that's when he's going to become super valuable and there are only so many hours in the week for Paulo Bancaro to do all the things that he has to do during the season because like I said once once class really starts and once practice really starts everything they're doing this summer is at you know the 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 schedule is much more relaxed but once the the time really comes in if if sponsors all of a sudden are knocking on Paulo Bancaro's dorm room in, in November, December, he's not necessarily going to have time to, to sort all these things out. So I actually think Coach K's advice about taking things slowly is good because the other thing is that these players don't really know yet what their market is for, for being able to sell name, image, and likeness. And if you've only got a few hours a week, 
you don't you don't want to waste it. You want to make sure that you're getting all the information you can. I don't think that players are going to be missing out on opportunities because they didn't take advantage of it in July of 2021. This is something that that is going to be going on now, you know, in perpetuity. So I'm I'm I think that that taking that that approach makes sense. I do kind of wish, honestly, that Duke was taking uh, more of a proactive. Uh, approach in, on behalf of its student athletes, the way that we've seen schools like UNC do. And, and it's actually something that, that I think Caroline has been a bit ahead of Duke on is saying, all right, we recognize that, that we can be kind of out front on the branding for our student athletes. I'm surprised that Duke hasn't done something like that, but they're going through a lot of transitions right now in the athletic department. So it may not be top of mind. Uh, one thing that we'll get into Joey Baker. I know we have some audio from him in a little bit. But this was something that he mentioned during his part of the press conference that we're not going to actually, you know, give you the audio for. But he mentioned that Coach K told them about, you know, when name image likeness came around to keep your circle close. And I think that's something that we all know about. Right. Everyone has their circles and everyone. Some circles are bigger than others. But he mentioned to the players like, hey, do your thing, but just make sure that you're being protected. Keep your circle close. Don't have people, you know, uh, you know, and just take advantage of you. But I think that's the the key here is right now, Coach K and, and the Duke Athletic Department is basically saying, we trust you guys to do the right thing. Be patient with what you're doing. You know, make sure you have good people around you and you won't be led astray in, in doing some of these things. And then if you have questions and you have something you need to do or want to do, run it by us to make sure that, that, you know, you don't sign some deal that renders you ineligible. And I think that's where they're taking a bit. And I think, Sam, when you're talking about like, what UNC has done or what Michigan has done with regards to, you know, offering like jerseys for sale and things like that, where it's run through the athletic department. I think that day is coming sooner rather than later. I just think that we're at a point right now where Duke is trying to get this off the ground a little bit slow. And some of the, some of the schools that are doing this aren't really thinking, you know, five years into the future, whatever they're thinking about the right now and figuring out how they can capitalize on this as well as the players. I think Duke has taken the more conservative approach, and I think that's okay as well. All right, so gentlemen, we're getting to the last of our Coach K sound, um, and it comes from a question that Coach K answered from Steve Wiseman, who is perhaps the, the top beat reporter covering the Duke Blue Devils. <coughs> and Steve asked him the operative question that I guess everyone wants to know most of all. Hey, How's the team shaping up for next year? What are you learning about next year's Duke Blue Devils, your final Duke Blue Devils? So here is Coach K answering Steve Wiseman about how the team is developing um, the, the final team for Coach K. Yeah, you always, uh, you know, mold a team around what they do best. That's what you've always adjusted to and everything. What do you know about this group now after the time you spent with them this summer that, that you know that they can do this really well? We're going to build from there off that. Yeah, you know, see, what we tried to do is just work on individual development and relationships. So we didn't really do team. We did some team bonding things, uh, but I, I got to know them as individual players. We're bigger. You know, you'll see right away when we do warm-up lines that uh, more physically mature, bigger guys. Uh, I think all 10 of my guys can play. Um and uh, we did scholarship both uh, Michael Severino and Keenan Worthington for this year. So uh, they've earned it. They're both juniors. And, but uh, the regular 10 scholarship players, they all, they all give something a little bit different. And uh, 
I, I like that. Uh, I, I like it. I, I see it in a uh, really big improvement in Wendell, just athleticism and the amount of time he spent in the spring working on not just his game, but uh, becoming an even better, better athlete. Our guys are stronger. They really like one another. Uh, they say they like me. Hopefully I, uh, I, that's true. And, uh, uh, and I, we're going to be a bigger team, you know, and, and that doesn't say much because we were very, we were not a very physical team last year. Uh, and I, I think we can be very, a, a physical team and a more mature team. All right, guys. So uh, a couple pieces of couple nuggets of news in there. First of all, scholarships handed out to the two walk-ons, Joey Sabarino and uh, Keenan Worthington. Very nice for them. And, and by the way, we should note, I mean, it's easy to sort of chuckle and laugh at, at walk-ons. Uh, these are guys who are, you know, never going to play a meaningful role in, in a game in all likelihood, it would be super shocking if they ever did, but they are just, they're essential to practices. We, we saw the scrimmage games over the summer. We've talked about them here and uh, both those guys were playing in those games, not just for the fun of it, but because we needed them to fill out the team. Um, You know, there, there are 10 guys, you know, sort of 10 major guys on scholarship and, Sometimes one of those guys has a class or a test or a paper. Sometimes they're nursing a nagging injury or something. You've got to have these walk-ons to fill out the roster so that there are enough guys to do five on five. And, and so these guys can, you know, really get to work on their game against legit college basketball players. And Joey Savarino and Keenan Worthington are legit college basketball players. I, I, I think it's great that they got scholarships. It's really nice for them. I was also going to mention, you know, even with these walk-ons, we do actually, I'm not sure if we've mentioned this on the podcast, but we do have a new walk-on on this, on this roster, Spencer Hubbard, who was on the practice team last year for this very reason, Jason, that you mentioned where you guys, you have guys out or injured or what have you, they had a smaller practice squad. He has basically been elevated from that practice squad to a full walk-on. So we have a really big roster, but at the same time, we're going to have instances where we're only going to have 10, 11 guys and to keep guys fresh, you want to make sure that these guys are ready. So for, for every team that's really good, every team that's elite, you have those practice players, you have those walk-ons that can get the starters and the main contributors ready for every single game. They are your, you know, your UNC point guard. They are your Virginia center. They're, they're the guys that sca- like play as the team that we are going to play so that our guys are ready. And that is a very big assignment that, is really rarely thanked uh, publicly. So for these guys, they're going to be big contributors, even as scholarship players, if they're not going to play that much, that doesn't mean that they're doing stuff behind the scenes to get this team ready. So uh, it's really cool that they've been rewarded for that. Jason, I think you were so excited to talk about them that you called Michael Savarino, Joey, but uh, we will, we'll forgive you for that. It's okay. I know. Oh my gosh. I did. You know, I, I do that with him all the time. I know it's crazy. It happens. But regardless, it, it's totally fine. The, uh, the, the point I was going to make about the walk-ons and them getting the scholarships, I think that once upon a time, there might have been some teeth gnashing from, from excitable fans about, uh, about the program you know, giving away scholarships basically to guys who, as you point out, are not going to 
to get real minutes for this team unless something goes horribly awry. I actually think that this is going to be more of a trend going forward around college basketball because as as players are transferring more and as as guys are coming into programs like Duke thinking, I need to play here to make this worth it, you're not going to be able to fill 13 spots on a on a roster, 13 scholarship spots on a roster with with guys who are bought in. To, to the system. I, you're only going to see Duke in the last few years has only necessarily had nine, 10, 11 scholarship players. And when we go into the season, we say, all right, there are 10 scholarship players, seven, maybe eight of them are going to get meaningful Duke basketball minutes this year. And the other guys are not, and they're either going to transfer or they're just going to deal with it. And I think it's a lot easier for, for a program to, um, to, to sort of deal with that hierarchy if the guys at the bottom of the roster, frankly, are, are walk-ons. So, um, so you know, th- this is normal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock in the fact that Duke only has a limited number of, of recruited players. The days of, of there being 12 or 13 recruited guys on the roster are long gone at this point. And then the other sort of funny note I thought about this is going back to Severino. It's, uh, it's interesting that that the program thought that they needed to spend a scholarship on him as if one, he was going to quit or transfer and two, that he couldn't afford it because uh, I think his dad's been making, or his, his grandfather rather has been, uh, has been pulling in a seven figure salary from the university for quite some time. So I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the accounting procedures are on that, but it was, <laughs> it, it's a funny note. And then I do want to, I do want to address the the comments about Wendell Moore, but I want to, uh, to hear from Wendell Moore first before we talk about his role and the players a bit. Yeah, yeah, Sam, so you, you stole what my next comment was going to be, which is that Coach K specifically calls out how Wendell Moore has improved his athleticism, how he's gotten stronger. And I want to note, folks, uh, in the entire time that, that the reporters, that all of us spoke to Coach K, there was only one player that he addressed by name, and that was Wendell Moore. Um, you know, other than that, every time he talked about the team, he talked about the team as a collective. Uh, I think it's really interesting and really exciting the coach K specifically talked about how much Wendell Moore has improved. Um, you know, one of the, one of the great things about guys who uh, mature a little bit in your program is that they change, they get better, uh, they get stronger. And, and I, I think I'm, I'm super excited for what we're going to be seeing from Wendell Moore next year, both because of what I've seen in practice, you know, in the practice films. And also because coach K says, watch out, this guy's really, really getting better. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, you will hear from Wendell Moore, from Joey Baker, from Emil Jefferson, the rest of the Duke basketball team that was at the press conference. Talks to all of you when we come back. So we're back. And like we said before the break, it is time to hear from some of the other folks who were at the uh, Duke K Academy press conference, specifically some of the Duke basketball players. Wendell Moore was there. And uh, the first piece of sound I want to play for you was uh, him talking about how this year is different from last year. Um, and, 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 you know, this is a question from Brendan Marks, friend of the podcast, right? Right. the athletic. Um, and, and you'll hear Brendan ask Wendell, you know, talk about the fact that Coach K noted that this is different. Um, does Wendell feel like it's different as well? Hey, Wendell, hope it's been a good summer for you. Uh, Co- Coach was telling us that already, 
you know, one thing that he's noticed compared to last year is this summer and, and the ability to build relationships. And he says he's, he can already sense a difference in that way. Can you sense a difference? And, and just sort of uh, really what has this summer been like compared to last summer in terms of building bonds, camaraderie and all that stuff? Uh, the summer's been a lot different because uh, from one uh, last year, I don't think we came here until August. Uh, so we would have just now been coming on the campus. Um, uh, but the freshmen have been here since June 1st and uh, the rest of the returning guys came at the end of June. So we've been here for about a month together, uh, just working out, getting to play with each other and then just off the court, we're always with each other. Um, I know me and a couple guys had a chance to take a trip down to Peace Jam um, and just watch some good basketball. And, and that's really something that we didn't have a chance to do last year. Um, so just, I really just getting a chance to be together. I just build those um, relationships, like you said, and ultimately just work out in the long run. So, Sam, I'll, I'll come to you first off of this question. Uh, you know, look, it, it seems obvious to say that that things are different from last year, but but I I think from Wendell, look, you know, he talked about the fact that they're on campus sooner than they were last year. That's a good thing. Obviously, they're getting to work together more, uh, you know, earlier on and and developing that chemistry. And then I, I love the fact that he's like, yeah, we took a trip to Peach Jam. We went down to Augusta. That's some fun stuff, isn't it? I, I think it's great that the team is doing that. And to the same comment that I made before the break about about Coach K getting one shot at at this sort of last season, it sounds like the players are taking advantage of that as much as Coach K is. The trip to Peach Jam sounds like a lot of fun for the players, but was also probably cool for participants at Peach Jam because they're used to seeing all the college coaches show up, but now they're seeing the college players show up and 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 do the whole brotherhood thing, you know, out in public and 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 in front of the kind of people that they're trying to influence to join the program. So that is really exciting. And, and I'm glad that, that Wendell Moore seems to be taking this, this more senior leadership uh, position in the program. You know, when, when he was coming in, I think his, his freshman year, we talked about like, Oh, this is, you know, these are the skills that Wendell Moore has, and this is how he can make it to the NBA and, and, and accelerate his career. And for a lot of guys, I think that is the mindset. And, and we get excited to see them to see them go off and pursue their NBA dreams. But some guys, it just doesn't happen for some guys end up sticking around in college for a little longer. Jordan Goldwire did it. Wendell Moore is doing it. And, you know, maybe Wendell Moore isn't going to have a 12 year NBA career. Maybe he is. And, and we don't know it yet. But in the meantime, it seems like he's really embracing being on campus and being a leader for the team. And that is great, too. So the one thing I took from this, the major thing is next year, I think we have to do a podcast live from the Peach Jam because it seemed like the entire grit eating world was at the Peach Jam. I do like that we found out during this press conference that the players went to Peach Jam. We knew the coaches did because they had the whole little Blue Planet snippet of them laughing on the plane with the with the aviator sunglasses and everything. And it was real cool. But I think it's cool that the team also went. Uh, and, and kind of whip almost behind the scenes, it seems, uh, to go and, and be a part of this uh, because it's a really big, it's become a really big thing now. And, and for them, again, they're taking advantage of all this time that they didn't have last year to gel and become a team and do the team activities. And whether that's in Augusta or in Durham or, or anywhere in between, it's cool that they're able to do that. And I think it's cool that they're able to have fun doing it. I don't know that I am going to be convinced to go to Augusta in July. But it does sound like fun. <laughs> it's inside. I mean, it's 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 in a gym. I mean, yeah, you must have to walk really around outside at some yeah, you have point to, right. this experience. You have yeah, to don't be worry outside that. to get there's inside. Minor, there's not minor a ton of details. There's not a ton going on at Augusta. So I know that I have to be outside at true. some point. I, I've, I've been to Augusta for the Masters. It is 
beautiful. It's gorgeous in March. Not that so was much a in June. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> I, I I went I went to the Masters a few years ago, which was amazing. But yeah, by even by April, it's like you know, in the middle of the day, I'm I'm good. I'm going back inside. <laughs> All right, I want to get back to the sound from the players, um, and specifically, uh, again, I got a chance to ask one of the questions uh, on this news conference. I asked Wendell Moore about something that we've talked about on this podcast, which is that. I feel like I'm seeing Wendell Moore playing a lot of point guard. Here's what he's had to say about that. Uh, Wendell, something that I noticed when I was watching some of the scrimmage videos that have been put out, and I know, look, you know, it's not even official practice time or anything like that yet, but it seems like you're playing a lot of point guard in those videos. Um, I mean, you know, people I think traditionally think of you as a wing. Is that a role you see yourself playing on the team going forward? I know you did it a little bit late in the season last year too. Um, yeah, it's definitely something – um, that I can see myself doing and wouldn't mind myself doing. Because uh, like you said, I played it um, a little bit um, at the end of the year last year, and uh, I was kind of successful for us. Um, so if we go back to it, um, I'm, I'm more than willing and able to take on that role. And I really just do whatever we can to win this year. I, I mean, you know, Wendell gave Kevin kind of an obvious answer there. Yeah, hey, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to help out the team. But, but I, I, you know, I think this is a big deal. I, I think it matters that this guy is – I, th I think he's shaping up as our backup point guard, if not perhaps the starting point guard, you're sharing those roles with, with Jeremy Roach. It, that, that, that's an important development for Duke, and it, and it uh, could allow Duke to play really big. Um, I mean, if you can imagine, it's not hard to imagine a lineup with Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels, A.J. Griffin, Paolo Bancaro, and Mark Williams on the floor together. That's a really big team. Like it, for most college teams, other college teams, like – they can't match up with that team in terms of the size. That's a that's a tall and or thick roster of of guys on the court. So so I'm I'm excited about that and and I'm glad that Wendell Moore is taking that challenge. We've seen him handle the ball a little bit in in the last two years for the program, and I think it's important for him to continue developing that skill. I think it's important at the college level because I think that that's going to mean success for Duke, but also at the pro level. Um, we talked about how DJ Stewart had to work on his ball handling to potentially become an effective NBA player. I think Wendell Moore's in the same camp. And, and so that that's important for his long-term development too. And hopefully it pays off for the team this season. Every great basketball team has several players that are comfortable handling the ball under pressure. It doesn't, it, we, there may be a hierarchy of who gets the ball in crunch time or who's the point guard, who's the second point guard, whatever. But the fact that you have several guys that are, comfortable and capable to handle the ball and run an offense is very, very important. We have, you know, Paul Bencaro can also handle the ball and, and run an offense. Wendell Moore, Trevor Keels, Jeremy Roach. I mean, even, you know, at a certain point, we may get to, you know, Jalen Blakes and, and, and those guys on the bench. But if you have several guys on the floor at one point that can handle the ball, the team that you're facing will have no idea where the offense is coming from. And that is advantage Duke. So uh, that's going to be a really interesting thing to see how much he does handle the ball. And especially when the games actually begin, who is handling the ball? Because again, when it comes down to crunch time, we may not have Jeremy Roach on the floor because of foul trouble or something like that. We may not have Trevor Keel. So it's going to be important to have two more guys that can handle the ball so, to keep the pressure on the defense that we're playing. I'm glad you brought up Paulo Bancaro because Jason, I know we have, we have audio about Paulo Bancaro and the, and the effect that he is going to have on the team this season, but his ball handling in addition to everything else that we're excited about is also going to be an important part of his game and Duke's attack this year. 
Yeah, let, let's get right to that. that. It's some sound that we have that comes to us from another one of the players being interviewed, which was Joey Baker. Um, and uh, specifically, Joey talked about trying to become a leader and things like that at Duke, um, showing the younger guys how things work. But he was also asked about, you know, can you assess the, the game of some of your teammates? So I'm going to play you a couple pieces of sound here. First is, uh, is from Steve Wiseman. Um, we've heard from Steve earlier, you know, a beat guy who covers the Duke Blue Devils. And, and then you're going to hear a question from Brian, Brian McLaughorn of Rivals Sports, who specifically asked Joey about Paolo Bancaro. Let's have a listen to Joey's responses to those two questions. Hey, Joey, uh, just what's your assessment of the of the new guys that have come in? Um, I know Coach said they were all in all of June and you guys are working together now. Just what do you think about the new guys and what, what this team looks like? Yeah, I mean, they've been amazing. I was here um, in June when they arrived and they came in ready to work, ready to learn. And uh, they're all about winning, which is uh, which is really important. They they don't care about any any of the accolades, any of their any of that other stuff. Um, and that's something that I noticed right away when we um, were, were playing competition, shooting, playing uh, two on two, four on four, five on five. They were all all about winning, um, competing and laying it all out there. So I'm really excited. Uh, they're, they're great guys and they, they, they work their butt off this, this summer. So, um, it's a, it's a really good group. Hey, Joey. Um, I think it was, it was a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, uh, that Paolo and AJ did the video for Blue Devil Network. And I think I'm paraphrasing here, but Paolo said something about they can't scout me at all. <laughs> Can you, uh, can you speak to that? I mean, you've, you've had a chance to now play play with him and work out. Uh, can, can you just speak to why he would be such a tough scout? Yeah, I mean, he he can do it all. He's a special player. He's a he's a really big guy. Um, I don't know the exact measurements, but I, I know he's a good amount bigger than me. And uh, he can do it all. He, he can shoot the three. He can play in the post. And he's a really good passer, which is – um, something that I don't think a lot of people know about him. He makes the right play, makes the right read, and he's all about winning. So uh, if you have a combination like that, it's it's tough to stop no matter what a team tries to do. So uh, he's he's got a really good head on his shoulders, and um, he, he's, he's a really special player. Uh, so, gentlemen, it is impossible not to be excited about Paolo Bancaro. Uh, and, and Joey's assessment of him is, is really interesting to say he's a special player that he does everything so well. And, and I love the fact where Joey talks about the fact that he is all about winning um, and that he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got the talent, no question about it. He's also got the work ethic and he's got the, the head for, for being, um, you know, uh, what I think could be potentially a really great Duke Blue Devil. He just wowed everybody on the pro-am circuit that just happened over the last week or so every single time he hit the floor everyone in the gym had their eyes on him and just how he played and even with the other team saying okay there's the guy you got to stop him they couldn't that's a really big deal if you have a guy that knows that he's going to be the number one guy on any court he steps on and everyone else in the court knows it and they still can't stop him that's the quote they can't scout me it's very, very true. And if we see that this year for Paul Bacaro, just 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 port me to the season right now. I, I want the I want the games to begin. I'm hearing that we have a player that can decide on any given moment whether to be Jolly Okafor or Jason Tatum in college. And uh, and so that's exciting to me. Or both. 
or both. Why well, not? Right, that's why the not? Point. Why not run the ball up? Uh, throw a couple post moves on your boy and uh, and and dunk the life out of him. Hey, by the way, I've got a good Bancaro story that I heard from a friend of mine. Uh, this friend of mine has a has a child who's a fresh who's an incoming freshman at Duke, and and she is part of the incoming freshman Facebook page, uh, and uh, the the parents page. And she was on the parents page the other day, and and all these other parents are very excited about their children coming to Duke. And she saw a message from someone who said, "Hi there, I live in the Seattle area. My son is a freshman at Duke, and I'm eager to meet other." Duke parents in the area. And it was Paolo Bancaro's mother who was saying that. Now, I think that's a really interesting story because it says to me that the Bancaro family isn't just seeing Duke as a short-term stop on their way to the NBA. I want to be clear. I think Paolo is going to be one and done. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not getting into those kind of you know crazy fantasies, though, that he's going to stick around. I think he's going to be one and done. But I think his family and he are committed to being a part of the Duke experience while he is there. And, and that, uh, that says to me they have the right kind of values, they have the right kind of attitude, and that they are really bought into this program and, and into being a part of Duke. Uh, it, it, it'd be really easy if you've got a child, you know, who is clearly on his way. Paolo Bancaro is going to sign a contract that's going to be worth tens of millions of dollars, even as a NBA rookie. There, there's... There, there's almost no scenario where that doesn't happen. And yet here's his mom saying, Hey there, I want to meet other Duke freshman parents. I want to be a part of this community. I, I, I just think it speaks volumes to the kind of family they are. And Duke is one of the, you know, I mean, there's schools that do this. So I won't say there are a few, but there is very seldom that you see universities embrace the parents and make them feel a part of the situation, right? Like, if you're a parent at Duke and you have a kid that goes to Duke university, you have P next to your name. Just like I have, you know, AB 2004, Paula Bancaro's mom has P 26 next to it because she is a parent of the class of 2026. And that is something that I think really works out that she's able to also be a part of this experience in a way that, you know, at other schools, she may not probably be able to be a part in the same way. So I like that she's embracing that part of it, her role as a parent of a Duke student and how that's going to affect, you know, Paulo's development and, and just his experience on campus. I'm sure we'll see her on campus for a lot of games and, and that sort of thing, especially coming from Seattle, which is not a, not a short trip to Durham, but the fact that she's willing to get involved in, in reaching out to parents in the area who also are going through the same thing as they are sending their kid off to the East Coast to college is a really wonderful thing to hear. All right. So time for our last piece of sound. The, the podcast is running long. <laughs> we got to wrap things up and we're going to wrap it up with the newest member of the Duke coaching staff, a familiar face to Duke fans, Emil Jefferson. Um, Emil came on. This is the first time he's had a chance to talk to the media since he took a role as the director of player development. And, uh, and Steve Wiseman asked him about the current team. I mean, this is his job. Scout the current team for me. Tell me what they're like. Here's Emil Jefferson and what we should expect from the next crop of Blue Devils. Hey, Emil, good to see you again. Um, you. I, know, I know in this new role, you can't work with the players on the court, but can you give us kind of a scouting report? What do you think about this team, about especially the freshmen and some of the big guys that are going to be on this on this roster? Yeah, you know, I, I love this team. Um, I, I love 
the the makeup of you know all our guys um having you know returning guys um uh, like like joey and, and wendell and and mark um having the that that kind of leadership and then bringing in you know an older guy like like theo who who's been through battles who understands it and then this freshman class is phenomenal um and so watching these guys it's been amazing um they they remind me of, of our 2015 team and in so many ways um and so uh it's early but you know seeing the way that they get along and you know their their bond that that's growing this is when you know uh you become a team you know when you're doing tough stuff over the summer when you're learning each other when you're getting to know each other when you're becoming uh real friends um and so to see this team this summer um ha has been great and i think they're going to be really good reminds him of the 2015 team guys that's a good thing <laughs> 2015 season ended well, and Emil Jefferson immediately says these guys remind him of the 2015 team. And I think that, you know, you can look at the two groups. There's a lot of similarities in these two groups, isn't there? Oh, yes. And for me, when you look at the 2015 team, you have a heralded freshman class with a couple of stars that were at least entering college. They were, they were viewed as stars. You had a lot of veteran experience. And they were able to put it all together. You kind of see that in this team, right? You have a very heralded freshman class with a couple of guys that are heralded to be the stars of the group. You have some experience. You have, you have a senior. You have juniors who all have a lot of experience. You have guys who are ready to go. And it seems like they're meshing well together. So if, I'll, take a, I'll, I'll take a Mills word for it. If he's seeing similarities in the 2015 team, A, that's a very good thing. And B, that shows that we really can be excited, uh, feel good and being excited about this team coming up and how they develop and seeing how they progress. This is exactly the kind of stuff that I wanted to hear from Emil Jefferson when we found out that he was hired to, to come back and, and be part of the staff here is, is bringing that, that energy and enthusiasm and the reminder that we've done this before, we can do this, and, and you guys are, are carrying on that tradition. That is exactly the kind of stuff that I want to hear from Emil Jefferson, and I remain fired up that he is, he is back with the program on a daily basis. We have, uh, we have three, we have three coaches, at least the assistants, uh, two who, which have played on national championship teams, Emil, who's also played in the national championship team and Chris Carroll, who's coached. So like, this is something where these guys are going to go in and say, Hey, we it, listen to us. We know what it's like to be a champion at this school. If you guys want to be a champion at this school, we're not leading you astray. We're leading you down the path of success. Follow us. Put another way, Chris Carowell, former ACC player of the year, is the least decorated member of the coaching staff. That's pretty player. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I, I will say that I believe that Chris Carowell was a member of the best Duke basketball team of any of those assistant coaches. I, I, I believe that 99 was better than 2010 and 2015, just in terms of the overall team. But that's a discussion for another day, gentlemen. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to wrap it up with that. Uh, got, Sam and Donald, thanks very much for being with me. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Thanks to the Duke Press Department, Media Relations Department, for allowing us to chat with Coach K and with the players and all these guys. It was a lot of fun. It was great to check in with them again. That'll do it for episode 334 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Again, I am Jason. They are Donald and Sam. And this is the Duke Band to play us out and take us home.